are so many amazing perks of being sober. And one of my favorites is that sobriety allows us to take self-care to the next level. And it gives us such a sense of confidence. There's really nothing like feeling confident in your own skin. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, One Skin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. I've told you about how when I got sober, one of my favorite things was starting a skincare routine because that was not something I ever prioritized before. But let's be honest, knowing what the best skincare routine is can be a little overwhelming. That's why I'm excited about One Skin. There's no complicated routine, no multiple step protocols, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code HAPPIEST at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code HAPPIEST. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support my show and tell them I sent you. You guys know I'm all about making our lives as easy as possible in sobriety. Well, you can eat stress-free this spring with Factor Meals, and they're offering my listeners 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month with code HAPPIEST50. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted and dietitian approved You can choose from a weekly menu of 35 options plus more than 60 different add-ons. What I love so much about Factor is that I've never been someone who makes time for cooking, but with Factor, I have delicious meals ready to go and on the table in just two minutes so I can get back to doing what I want with my time without the hassle of any prep, cooking, or cleanup, a total godsend. Factor is also celebrating Earth Day all month long, so look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for their lowest carbon footprint meals. Head to factormeals.com slash happiest50 and use code happiest50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code happiest50 at factormeals.com slash happiest50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Hello everyone, welcome to Happiest Sober Podcast. I hope that you're having a great week. It is Saturday morning here, it is sunny, I have my coffee here, I am ready to go. I'm excited for today's episode because I'm doing another Q&A episode. So I've done one of these before, this is my second one. It's definitely something that I want to keep doing. I think it's fun, it feels kind of even more like I'm chatting with you all because I'm answering uh, your questions. So I had put um, a question box up on my Instagram stories a few weeks ago now and I have them here. So let's just hop right into it. The first one I have here says, what helped you the most during the first few sober weeks to fight off cravings? So, okay, my first few sober weeks, I think a really big one for me was relying on alcohol-free drinks. Um, and this was for a couple of reasons. Like one was genuinely like sometimes I just really, really wanted a glass of wine and I was like, I'm just going to pour an alcohol-free glass of wine to fill this void right now because I'm not going to let myself have the real thing and this is the closest thing to it. Um, But more so for me, what I was able to kind of recognize is that it was more about the actual ritual of drinking. Like I got sober during um, the COVID pandemic lockdowns um, and I was really in the habit of like I would finish work for the day and I would pour myself a glass of wine and it was 
my favorite part of my day. And that was a ritual that I really looked forward to. And so it really helped me early on to just actively replace that ritual with something else. So for me, that meant pouring either a glass of alcohol-free wine or even just pouring um, a seltzer into a fancy glass um, and kind of just keeping that as a ritual for myself. And I really tried to make it a moment of like, celebrating myself and my sobriety so I would light all the candles in my apartment to try to make it kind of special or like put on music or do something to just make it feel like a really nice little thing for myself and this was something that really worked well for me but a lot of people um, tend to stay away from alcohol-free alternatives and their sobriety some people find that it just makes them really crave the real thing even more for me it actually helped me to not crave the real thing because it was just like a substitute for me in that moment um and it was really really just about keeping that kind of ritual going so I think if you're someone who like you don't want your sober tool to be centered around pouring like a drink of any kind then you could still take like okay this was the time of day where I would normally be you know cracking open a drink I'm gonna start a new ritual for myself at this time I'm gonna choose that like right now is when I go for a walk or right now is when and I like candles or read a book or like listen to music or you know whatever you want to replace it with for me just having an active replacement was very very helpful and I really used it as a moment to try to like celebrate myself for what I was doing and it was really hard at first like at first I would pour an alcohol-free glass of wine and be like this is so depressing because (laughs) what I actually want is the real thing and this isn't it and then with time it became a part of my day that I really really looked forward to and then with time it became something that I kind of forgot to do and I didn't really need to do anymore Um, so it was very helpful in the beginning and then it just kind of shifted as sobriety just became normal life for me Um, something else that really, really helped me with cravings in the beginning, and this is something I've talked about a few times, but I started off really, um, sort of identifying as sober curious, uh, but I knew that when I started off with sober curiosity that like my real end goal was to get sober for real but what I noticed because it took me about a month and a half for my sobriety to stick I had a few kind of like starts and stops um, and I was able to recognize a pattern which was that once I got like two or three weeks under my belt that's when I would really really want to drink again like I would feel really good and solid for the first week or two And then I would feel like I really wanted a drink and then I would let myself drink and then I'd be right back where I started. And so I kind of had to really acknowledge the fact that if I'm going to keep letting myself drink when I really, really want one, I will stay in this cycle forever. And it was just this real light bulb moment of me where I was like, if I want sobriety to stick, I am going to have to be willing to sit with that feeling of really, really wanting a drink and not having one. And I can see from like these few experiences that I can expect that feeling to come. It's inevitable. I'm going to really want to drink once I hit X number of days and even beyond that. Um, And so it was just this really clear kind of mindset shift for me where I just accepted like it is an inherent part of staying sober that I'm going to have to be willing to sit with those uncomfortable feelings. And so that kind of just stuck as my mantra where I was like, I have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And whenever I really, really wanted to drink, I would fall back on that 
that. Like I would be like, I can survive my discomfort. I can sit with these feelings. They're going to suck. They're not going to be fun, but I can do it. And then it becomes more and more empowering the more you do it because then you get to see that A, you can survive those feelings. That B, they will always pass. You're not going to feel that way forever. And then see that you get to get to the other side and feel so grateful that you didn't drink and feel really, really accomplished and feel really, really proud of yourself. Um, And then that kind of makes you more empowered and strong. And then the next time the feelings come, you're like, okay, you can use that past experience of I felt this way before, I hung in there, and I felt so glad that I did after. Um, another thing that really, really helped me with cravings in the beginning was, uh, playing the tape forward. Um, I think it's one of the best sobriety tools at our disposal. Um, especially for me, because a big reason why I got sober was because of how much alcohol was affecting my mental health. It's because of the intense, intense anxiety it gave me the next day, the amount of shame it made me feel the next day. So anytime that I really wanted to drink, I just really had to fast forward in my brain and be like, how am I going to feel in the morning if I drink? I would have to look back and remember remember my last day one and remember all of the all those terrible feelings that alcohol caused me and that I don't want to feel that way tomorrow and that I don't have to feel that way tomorrow and I would just kind of keep like my eye on the prize of like tomorrow morning like no matter how much I might want to drink tonight as long as I hang in there through this I'm gonna wake up tomorrow feeling like a million bucks I'm not gonna have a hangover I'm not gonna feel any of that terrible anxiety I'm gonna remember everything I do I'm gonna feel so proud of myself um, really really focusing on the morning time and letting that be a big big motivator for me so I think those are the three really big kind of tools that I used um, for kind of getting through cravings in the beginning but obviously other ones are like support right support system I had my mom who's sober so anytime I was feeling tempted to drink I would call her or text her and talk it out with her Um, I also joined an online sober support group I joined the luckiest club um, which is founded by Laura McCowan who wrote an amazing uh, quit lit book we are the luckiest Um, so having that sense of like community um, really really helped me and even like I I got on sober Instagram really early. I got on sober Instagram in my first month of sobriety. And I even remember my very first sober Christmas, I was like maybe a month and a half sober. Um, and I was having a really hard time with it. And at one point in the night, I locked myself in my room and I scrolled some sober Instagram pages just to like kind of connect back to my why to like it's inspiring to see other people doing it, especially when you're struggling and to be like, okay, they've made it that far. I can get through this. Um, so that really helped me to just like scroll some, (laughs) some sober content online when I was feeling really tempted in that moment. Um, so I think having some sort of like connection to the sober community, whether that's a person that you can talk to, whether that's an online community, um, is really important for when you're having, a craving just like having some level of accountability um and also I read a ton I read a ton of quit lit I could I like do, I read more than I've ever read in my life in my first couple months of sobriety because I could not um I couldn't put books down so reading quit lit scrolling sober Instagram um and reaching out to my mom and being part of that online sober community also really really helped me um because those were all places I could go or things I could like resources I could lean on um when I was having a craving or feeling really tempted to drink 
Okay, next question is what helped you stop romanticizing the drink? This is such a good question because I think that that is one of the biggest challenges of not only getting sober but staying sober is our tendency to romanticize drinking and it's completely normal to do that. It is an actual brain process called fading effect bias that causes us to look back on past negative experiences of our lives with like a more positive lens and to kind of focus on the positive parts of it and forget the negatives over time and that's the exact reason why we can be in a really toxic relationship and leave it and then look back and romanticize our ex and miss the good times with them um it's the same exact thing and it's completely normal so even just remembering that I think is really helpful is that it's just our brain playing tricks on us and I think the thing too about this question is how do you stop romanticizing drinking I don't even think the focus needs to be to stop romanticizing drinking because we can't control the thoughts that are going to come into our mind. Like if we walk past someone drinking wine with dinner and we have a, a, a moment of romanticizing it, like it's okay to have that initial thought because that's just like our old kind of brain patterns and habits but what is in our power is what we're going to choose to do with the thought when it comes in and we don't have to let that that thought have power over us when it comes in we can recognize it and then like arm ourselves with our own truth so I think that's really the work of it is when you catch yourself romanticizing alcohol which also is very easy to do in our world which like glamorizes alcohol at every turn in the media and with everything um, to really just that's when we have to get very very honest with ourselves so that's when it's going to be really helpful to really really remember how did I feel on my last day one? How did I used to feel the morning after drinking? I'm looking and romanticizing this person drinking wine with dinner, but if I was going to drink wine with dinner, would I be satisfied with a glass or two of wine? Or would I want to drink the whole bottle? And then how would the night turn out? Would I get overly drunk and embarrass myself? Um, like really remembering even past negative experiences with alcohol. Um, I think just really, really like it's okay for our brain to do that and to look back on the good times and feel like you miss them but we just have to let our truth which is you know the negative consequences of alcohol which are why we stop drinking we have to just let that be louder than those thoughts you know something that I did pretty early on in my sobriety is I wrote down a list of all of my worst drunk moments I wrote a list of like my biggest drunk regrets and my cringiest memories and like the worst mornings I've had after drinking because anytime that I felt tempted to drink or felt like I missed it I could go read that and it's just like a very (laughs) it's very sobering it's like a really powerful reminder of like oh my god I don't want to go back to that I never want to feel that way again Um, because it's just really remembering that our like romanticized version of alcohol in those moments when we're feeling that way is not the truth of it at all if it was then we wouldn't have stopped right so just really really getting honest with ourselves and it it will get quieter and quieter and quieter with time I found I noticed like I had an experience in I think my second year of sobriety that made me or a couple experiences that kind of made me really romanticize drinking. And then I found myself romanticizing it a lot for like a few months. And I felt so frustrated with myself about it. Because I was like, I'm this far along. I shouldn't be feeling this way. But it's okay and it's normal to feel that way sometimes. It's just about not 
not handing our power over to it. Like I knew, even though I was feeling that way, I knew it was a non-negotiable because I was not willing to go back. I, I wasn't willing to go backwards and I wasn't willing to go back to a place that I worked so, so hard to um, kind of free myself from. And now, you know, I've even noticed even in the last like six months how little I romanticize alcohol. Like it's pretty rare for me now. And because I was more of a gray area drinker, it was something that I really, really romanticized in my first year and even into my second year for sure. So just remember that it's normal and it will just get quieter and quieter with time. And now I notice like when I used to see, for instance, people drinking in the evening, I would feel kind of like I missed it and I and to make myself feel better I would feel like oh my god but I'm gonna have my morning like they get their wine tonight I get my hangover free morning like my my prize at the end of it is coming tomorrow and now I've noticed that it's shifted to like I see their wine at night and I feel gratitude instantly because like I don't I don't miss it I don't wish I was doing that I feel like oh I get not only my sober morning but I get my sober night which now I love as well Um, so it really really will shift with time so if you notice those thoughts coming just keep getting honest with yourself write out a list of all of the negative consequences of alcohol um, and read that just have it like in a note on your phone whenever you need a little burst of a reminder of what the truth of drinking was for you because If it wasn't bad and if it actually was really great and fun and whatever your brain's telling you, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have stopped. So just keep coming back to that reminder. Um, Okay, next question. Do you feel like you go overboard on other things now that you don't drink sugar, etc.? So I would say sometimes, yeah. (laughs) I think that's my honest answer. Like, I guess there's something to be said for having a bit of an addictive personality for those of us who um, have struggled with drinking. But I think sometimes I go overboard with sugar. Sometimes I go overboard with food. Sometimes I go overboard with exercise. Sometimes I go overboard with scrolling my phone. Um, I think... I think it is kind of normal to go overboard on things sometimes and I think we all need to give ourselves some grace on that, especially for those of us in early sobriety. And since this question mentioned sugar specifically, you know, I always say that obviously it's completely normal to crave lots of sugar in early sobriety and I always think that... um, I always think we should just lean into that if it helps us. Like I had ice cream most nights in my early sobriety, but it wasn't wine. So I was winning because of that. Um, So I think for sure in early sobriety, just go easy on yourself about that one for sure. And I really think that with this, like it's about knowing ourselves and like, it, it is just life that sometimes you're going to eat a little bit too much or maybe sometimes be on your phone too much or you know, whatever it is. But I think as long as you're not replacing alcohol with something else that's super harmful. um, And also, you know, if you do feel like at a certain point, whatever you're replacing it with feels not good to you, then that's absolutely something um, that you can address. But yeah, I guess I guess that's my answer. Some sometimes I do. Um, next question. Did you use a program when you stopped drinking? What is your community to support you? 
So I didn't, um, I've never been to AA, so I didn't do the, the 12 step program. Um, my community to support me. So like I've said, my mom, which obviously if you've (laughs) listened to this podcast, my mom is also sober and she was absolutely my main support system. I talked to her on the phone every morning, um, in my early sobriety about everything. And she was my person I would go to uh, for support or if I needed to vent or talk about anything or if I had questions or just anything. Um, So she was really, really my support system. Um, And then like I had said, I also joined an online sober support group. So they had virtual Zoom meetings um, and that was really helpful for me uh, for my first few months. Um, And then I think also a big one was getting on sober Instagram. Um, I had been looking at sober Instagram pages, um, when I was kind of toying with the idea of getting sober. Um, and then I made my sober page in my first month of sobriety. And it really, really was so, so helpful to have that place where I could go to just kind of like share where I was at and then also connect with other people. Um, and I made like actual friends on there. Um, lots of them I've met in person now, which is so, so cool. Um, so I really was able to find kind of community and connection on sober Instagram and it ended up being my greatest accountability tool which I did not anticipate when I got on there but it really 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 has kept me accountable Um, so that was so much more helpful than I ever expected for it to be for sure. Um, Next question what is the best way to find a sober community in your city and state? So Obviously, AA is everywhere. It's accessible. It's easy to find. Um, So I think that, you know, AA is an amazing program that has worked for so many people. And I think that's incredible. Lots of people also feel like it's not necessarily the right fit for them as far as like the program goes. Um, But I think that if you're really, really looking for like community and connection, even if you don't feel like AA necessarily resonates it is still a place that you could go and just try just for the community aspect like to just go and be able to meet some sober people in real life and maybe make some connections there Um, but there is a whole entire online world now Um, you mentioned finding a community in your city and state so I'm guessing what you really want is in real life in-person connection Um, You could try searching meetup.com and search like sober meeting in your area. Um, There's also the sober city movement on Instagram. So they have sober pages for lots of cities. Like they've got sober in Seattle. They've got sober in LA. Um, So you could try searching um, for your city there or find one of the pages. And if, if you don't find one, you could look at starting your own page um, for, for being sober in your city. Um, and even just try searching on Instagram, the hashtag sober, um, with your city name and see what comes up and maybe you'll find some posts of other sober people in your area and you could try reaching out to them. Um, so there is the AA route and then there's also like a whole online world where you should really be able to find sober people wherever you are, which is really, really cool. So yeah, I would just say, um, really do some digging online, see, um, what you can find and then don't be don't be afraid to reach out to somebody that's the cool thing about sober people is that I think everyone's just so open and so willing to help anybody um, which is really awesome 
Okay, next question. How should I deal with a step back? Example, drinking one month before I made one year of sobriety. Okay, so I think that the way to deal with a setback is to treat it as the very, very powerful learning opportunity that it is. I think that it's a time to be very easy on yourself, to try not to inflict too much shame on yourself. Like I think that there's so much shame that comes along with a slip and there shouldn't be I've been there but um, it really is a moment to gain even more clarity on why you want to be sober and if you use it that way it can really really solidify your sobriety moving forward Um, you know I think that I mean, if it's, you know, in this circumstance where you're one month away from one year and then you have a slip, I think that it can even really be helpful to look back and identify like what led to that. Like were there, was there, was there a buildup? Had I been maybe kind of in the back of my mind toying with the idea of it for a little while? Um, Were there specific triggers? What, like kind of just really assessing the situation because then that sets you up for success um, if you know your triggers very well and if you know kind of what the the factors were that led to that moment, um, then you can have them identified so that if you find yourself in a similar situation moving forward, then you can really kind of know what to do differently and what tools you might need to lean on more that you hadn't. Um, But I think really, really it's an opportunity to like really remember why you're doing this because like I was talking about earlier, that whole fading effect bias, once more time passes, it's a lot easier to kind of disconnect from our why and to kind of disconnect from our knowing about the way that alcohol was really affecting us Um, and I think a lot of people often feel like oh I've made it this far maybe I could go back and drink again maybe because I'm not drinking that proves that it wasn't actually a problem for me Um, but having this experience can be the most powerful reminder of what you don't want to go back to. Um, so I always say like if you've had a slip to really use it like as as soon after as you can, you know, ideally the next day after you've drank to really, really journal and write like in detail how drinking made you feel, how it affected you, um, how it made you feel about yourself, how it made you feel mentally and emotionally. Um, Because then in the future, if you're ever romanticizing the idea of it again, you can go back and read that. And even like rewrite out your why. Allow this to redefine your why even a little bit. Like it's really just more information. It's like they say, it's it's a data point, right? Um, That you can now draw on moving forward. So I would just say try to be really gentle with yourself. Remember that sobriety is it's a really hard thing to do to get and stay sober and you don't need to get it perfect on the first try and just because you've had this slip it doesn't mean that you aren't capable of continuing and it doesn't mean that this can't be your last day one because this can absolutely be your last day one. So just let how this felt be the thing that pushes you forward even more and makes you feel even more strong and motivated and solid in your sobriety. Um, So just really use it as a time of reflection. It's not a failure. It's just an experience that you can gain even more clarity from. And I would also just add that 
this experience doesn't take away from the 11 months of sobriety that you had. Like you still have all those days under your belt. You still have all of those sober experiences. You still have all of your milestones and all of your wins. Like 11 months sober is, or you know, any amount of time sober, but if this was one month before a year, like 11 months sober is such an accomplishment. And a lot of life happens in 11 months. A lot of good days, a lot of bad days, holidays, celebrations. So really to just remember that like you accomplished so much you made it through so many experiences sober no doubt so many you know hard times and challenges sober um so to not let this diminish that and to really remember that like you still have all of that progress um and you can you can keep going this isn't a total reset this is maybe a reset of your day count if you choose to count it that way um but this is not a reset of all of your progress and sobriety because you absolutely have all of the progress that you made and like all the growth um, of all of that time. I also did do a full episode on slips, um, episode 30. So if you've recently had a slip and you want to hear more about specifically that topic, um, you can go back and listen to episode 30 of this podcast as well. Okay, next question. Um, favorite ways to distract yourself from the cravings. Okay. So specifically distractions. And I will say I don't, I don't get cravings anymore. Um, but looking back, um, on when I did for distractions, I mean, calling, like calling my mom, talking to a sober friend, um, talking it out. Honestly, one of my favorite, favorite things to do in early sobriety, um, especially as like a distraction was to go for a drive and blast music because a, I just, I love a car sing along. It's like my happy place being in the car, listening to music, but like something that brought me a lot of joy from the get-go of getting sober was just knowing like I can drive whenever I want and I can drive without any anxiety because even like in my drinking days when I would drive in the morning time I was always so paranoid like oh my god if I got pulled over I would probably still blow over from last night like it was just stressful experience so going on a drive and blasting music because it's something that like I don't know I think it's a boost of serotonin no matter what but then especially if you're feeling if you're having a craving, going for a drive, it's a distraction. It's also um, a way to kind of appreciate a sobriety perk, which is being able to drive whenever you want. Um, Alternatively, going for a walk. Um, Honestly, when I really, really needed a distraction, I love just putting on like, you know, one of my favorite comfort shows or reality TV and eating ice cream and just zoning out. Um, But yeah, like getting outside, listening to a podcast, listening to music. Um, I think hobbies are really, really great distractions. So like I play instruments, I play guitar and some keyboards. So I spent a lot of time playing music in my early sobriety. So I think whether it's um, leaning into an existing hobby you have or um, finding a new one and throwing yourself into that because I think that learning a new hobby can be very all-consuming. So even kind of letting yourself like throw yourself into that Um, something else that I did when I was really, really feeling like I missed the mental, the ability to just like shut off my brain. Um, I bought an adult coloring book and I would like pour myself a seltzer, light candles, put on music and just color. Cause it was just something that was like kind of mindless and almost meditative. Um, so yeah, I think those would be my favorite ways to distract myself. Um, when I was just looking for a distraction, um, 
But oh my God, there's so many, there's so many things that you can do um, to distract yourself. If you like cooking, you could cook yourself a nice meal. You could try baking something. Um, if you're artsy, you can draw. Um, you could, you know, go ask a friend to like go get a coffee with you. Um, I know sober people who really lean into hobbies that they had before they started drinking, like doing crafts, making jewelry, gardening. Um, there are definitely so many options and you can just treat it as a fun, like little assignment for yourself to be like, let me rediscover the thing things that I love to do and then those can be my tools um, when I'm having a craving or when I feel like I really want to drink I can go do one of those things instead next question do you drink non-alcoholic wine and if so what is your favorite okay so like I said I really 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 leaned on non-alcoholic wine in my early sobriety and it was really because like I needed that replacement like I missed wine I loved the taste of it and it was just something that I miss so much that it helped me to drink to drink non-alcoholic wine. Now I don't drink it that often just because it's not something I think about as much. It's not something I really miss that much anymore. Um, so it's just not really on my radar. I'm more of a seltzer girl now. And sometimes I'll still pour like, you know, a bubbly into like a wine glass if I feel like being fancy. Um, but it's just not something I drink often anymore just because there's not that same need for it um that being said if it was like if I was at a restaurant and they had it or if like I was at someone's house and they had it I'll absolutely drink it I still do enjoy it it's just it's become something that like I like if it's there but I don't need as much as for what my favorites are um I really love teetotaler wines um which was founded by a woman uh from Toronto so I love that um I also recently tried um Naughty wines I think it's pronounced like Naughty n-o-u-g-h-t-y um they have a really really nice sparkling um that's really really good um and also love the alcohol-free brand um groovy um g-r-u-v-i they have a great little bottles of um sparkling uh dry secco and uh bubbly rosé that I really like um but there are lots of brands that have been on my radar that I've been wanting to try that I haven't so I'll have to try some of those soon but yeah I do like non-alcoholic wine it's just not something that I rely on as a sober tool anymore um okay next question how to deal with hubby constantly drinking around me okay so I get this question sometimes and I will first just say that I can't speak from experience on this situation um, because I've never been in this situation before I was newly single when I got sober um, but I really like really really feel for people who get sober in relationships because it it really does um I think you know change the dynamic of things um when one person gets sober I even felt that in my non-romantic relationships when I got sober big time um because drinking is kind of viewed as such this bonding activity um so my heart really goes out to people who get sober and then have to navigate this change with their partners as well um so I'm sorry to hear though that you're in this situation where he's constantly drinking around you um I imagine that must be really challenging and I mean it's hard also to not know more information like if that's something that you've been able to communicate to him and able to just kind of really make it clear that 
you would appreciate for him to not drink around you so much and that that would be, you know, a, a way for him to support you. Um, I don't know if you have communicated that or if you feel like you could communicate that. Um, but if the situation is that you have communicated that and he's still choosing to constantly drink around you, um, kind of what I always say about those situations is that we have to kind of take our own power back in that. So at the end of the day, you can't control his actions. Like if he's going to come home and crack open a drink and drink around you, you can't control what he's going to do. But you, what you can control is how you're going to respond to what he's going to do. And that's where your power is. So you can really look at it like, okay, he's, he's going to choose to drink. That's his decision. But then I get to choose what I'm going to do in response. And whether that is getting up and leaving the room or whether that's going for a walk or whether that's like, you know, doing something for yourself to excuse yourself. Um, that's kind of how you take care of yourself and kind of set that boundary. Um, so I think really just make sure that you're putting your needs and your sobriety first above all else. Um, and this is something that as time goes on, you'll, you'll figure out how you want to navigate it and what decision you want to make around it. Um, but just to make sure that you are putting yourself first right now and prioritizing your sobriety and doing whatever you can do to kind of take care of yourself in that situation. Um, but I'm sending you tons of love and you should be very proud of yourself for um, making this change despite drinking still being something that's you know happening around you because that's not an easy thing to do Um, so you should be very proud okay next question top three tips for someone new on their sober journey okay so number one tip is write everything down so I think get very very connected to your why write it out in detail for yourself Write out in detail exactly how drinking was affecting you negatively. Write out like detail how you felt in the morning after drinking, how it was impacting your mental health, like all the negative things about alcohol that are like the reason that you're quitting. Um, And write out like I did, write out the list of, you know, like some of the things that you regret from your drinking days. Again, not to like stay there in, in that place of shame, but just because they are very powerful reminders of what you don't want to go back to. Um, So I think that all of that is so, so helpful because like I talked about right in the beginning, our brain is going to play tricks on us. We're going to look back and wonder, was it really that bad? We're going to look back and romanticize it. So if you've really taken the time to like write that all out for yourself, reading it is going to be such a helpful tool. And like put it on your phone so you always have it handy. If you're like out in a restaurant and you need to go like run to the bathroom and read that in the bathroom stall, um, it's almost just like writing that out as a favor to your future self for when you're going to feel tempted. Um, so yeah, just put pen to paper and write out all the reasons you're doing this. And if you can do it like as early as possible, that'll be so helpful because you'll be really, really connected to to your why. Like you're, I mean, you're never more connected to it than, than on your day one. Like never more connected to um, the negative effects of alcohol than you are on your day one I should say because your why changes over time it's going to start out being because alcohol makes you suffer and then over time it'll be because of how much sobriety transforms your life and how much better your life gets Um, but yeah put all that in writing for sure 
My next tip would be for sure to get connected with a community. I think it is so, so, so key whether you know sober people in your real life or you just have someone who is supportive of your sobriety and you um, like can ask them to be sort of an accountability partner for you uh, who you can reach out to if you're ever struggling or feeling tempted or just feeling, you know, like isolated. Um you could try going to in-person meetings. You could join an online sober community. You can get on sober Instagram, just like any way that you can find community and connection with yourself because it's just like makes a world of a difference if you have people who get it, who make you feel not alone in it um, and who you can reach out to to talk to about it. And my last tip is what I already shared, which is just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That was the mindset shift that helped me so, so much in my early days, just really accepting the fact that sobriety inherently means feeling our discomfort. It means feeling our feelings. And that means learning that we can survive our feelings, that we can feel everything and be okay and that feelings don't last forever. Um, I think that's so, so important to remember and to just really remember that like early sobriety is just messy. It's hard. It feels like you're not used to feeling all those feelings all the time. And I remember feeling so overwhelmed by that. Like I remember really being like, I have no like shut off anymore from my feelings or my thoughts and that is exhausting Um, but it doesn't feel that way forever. It's just there's that adjustment period so give yourself grace and if you just feel like all these really big messy feelings to just trust that it's all just part of the process. You can get through them and life's not going to feel that way forever. I will add a fourth tip as well which is just to really like make sure you're really filling up your life because when we give up alcohol it does leave behind a really big void that was a way that it was something that we did I mean for me it felt like my freaking main hobby was drinking it was something we did it's a way that we spent a lot of our time it took a lot of energy like all of that and that's gonna leave behind a big space in our lives so just to make sure that you're being really deliberate about filling that like we get sober because we want to live better lives um not because we want to sit around you know being sad that we miss alcohol and it's okay to sit around being sad that we miss alcohol sometimes because that's a part of the grieving process but yeah to just really let this be a time of like self-discovery and figuring out what you want your life to look like now how you enjoy spending your time who you want to spend your time with um and and just make sure that you're using it as the opportunity that it is to really fill your life back up with way better things than than drinking could ever give us next question visiting friends who expect to drink with you do you announce before about sobriety or once you arrive so everyone is totally different um I think you really have to decide for yourself which option makes you feel the most comfortable and confident going into it I personally, for me, feel like um, it takes a lot of stress off in those early days to let people know in advance um, because I always found that if I went to an event where people didn't know I wasn't drinking, I felt so much more nervous because I would go in and I would feel nervous about having to tell them. I would feel nervous about like, how is it going to come up? How many questions are they going to ask? What am I going to say? All of that. So I think that especially if they're like, you know, your friends, um, I think it just takes a 
a lot of that stress and pressure off to almost just get it out of the way beforehand because then you won't be going into it having like in a mode of like anticipation of how's this gonna go or kind of like bracing yourself for it so for me I think get it out of the way in advance and then you can at least go in with like a little bit less stress because you know that they know and you've already had the conversation um that's just my take some people feel more confident to like not make a thing of it and just say it casually when it comes up um so I think just kind of like sitting with it for yourself and deciding what makes you feel the most confident um but I will add that I do think it is an accountability tool to let people know in advance especially if you're in the early days and especially if they're people that you normally drank for um because if you don't say it then you could be more inclined to just let yourself drink with them beforehand so kind of telling them in advance is an added accountability because now you've already said it they're expecting for you not to drink um so I do think it can be helpful in that way as well okay next question (laughs) this is just a funny one are you following the Chiefs now that Taylor has been at the last couple games this obviously came from a sober Swifty surprisingly I actually haven't been watching the games but that's because like anything that is happening with her at the games is going to be all over my explore page on Instagram so I just get my Taylor highlights there and I don't need to sit through a football game which is not my thing um so that's that's that but I love that question so I had to slip that in there um all right last question of this episode best advice you've heard for getting through early sobriety I think that the best advice I got getting through early sobriety is something that my mom said to me and it's not even necessarily advice about getting through early sobriety but it's just like something she said that just stuck in my brain and I would always fall back on it um which is something I've already said in this episode, but I just remember having a conversation with my mom in my early days and saying to her like, I don't know, like maybe it was dramatic to totally quit. Maybe like I gave up too early. I'm still in my 20s. Maybe I just like was, I don't don't know if I was that bad that I should have quit, which I think is something that a lot of us struggle with because, you know, I think something that's being talked about more in sobriety, which is amazing, which is that you don't have to hit a rock bottom to get sober. You don't have to identify as an alcoholic to get sober. Um, You don't have to reach any level of being bad enough to quit drinking. It can just be that alcohol is affecting you negatively more than positively. And that's reason enough. Um, And so that kind of gave me like my little permission slip like oh my god I don't have to keep asking myself am I an alcoholic because I like I I didn't feel necessarily like I I I was like that definition didn't feel true for me but when I took that off the table like oh it doesn't even matter if I'm an alcoholic or not I can just like own the fact that I'm struggling with my drinking and that's reason enough um But that being said, because a lot of us are kind of realizing that and there has been that mindset shift around it, I think it is easier to then question yourself and doubt yourself because you can always say like, well, maybe I wasn't that bad. Or you can always, no matter how low of a rock bottom you had, you can always find someone with a lower bottom or you can always find someone who is drinking more than you and kind of use that as evidence of the fact that like, oh, I was, I was actually fine. I actually wasn't that bad. And so my mom said to me, and I'll never forget it. If it wasn't that bad, you wouldn't have stopped. And that just like stuck in my brain. I latched onto that thought because it's 
it's true like it getting sober in our world that is obsessed with alcohol is a very 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 hard thing to do it's a huge life change to make um it's it's so like all consuming that change in the beginning and none of us would be here if it wasn't something that we really had to do and that bad is subjective it's just whatever's bad for you internally it doesn't matter what it looked like on the outside it doesn't matter what anybody else's drinking looked like just knowing that if it wasn't bad enough for you you wouldn't be here um I don't know if that's really advice but it's just like a reminder that I found so incredibly helpful and it just made me feel more committed to my sobriety and then I found like as time went on like I've said now a few times in this episode as time went on it was easier to forget how bad it really was and how bad I really felt after drinking and I started to just tell myself like I just have to trust the version of me that was living through it because I can't trust my perspective of it now when I'm you know x amount of days away from my last day one my brain is going to play tricks on me right now when I really feel like I want to drink or when I feel sad or when I feel FOMO or when I'm romanticizing it like my brain is going to tell me it wasn't that bad but I have to trust you know me from 90 days ago who woke up suffering and it was obviously bad enough that I wanted to do something about it So that was another one. It's just like trust the decision I made when I was actually living through it. Like I can trust that it was bad enough for me and I have to trust that decision that I made at that time when I was going through it more than I can trust the voice telling me it wasn't that bad when I'm, you know, X amount of days away from it. Um, So that was something that really, really, really kept me going in my early sobriety. But, you know, as for best advice getting through early sobriety, I think just taking it, taking it one day at a time. It's a cliche, but it's true. You only ever have to do the day in front of you and just staying really, really, really connected to your why is so key. So I'm going to leave it there for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know if you enjoy these Q&A type episodes because I can definitely keep doing more of them in the future. If you're enjoying the podcast, then please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps out so, so much. Follow me on Instagram at happiestsober and subscribe to my weekly newsletter at happiestsober.com. And also just a reminder that I do run a sober support group called the Happiest Sober Hub. We meet twice a week on Zoom and it is the highlight of my week. It's such an incredible group. So I would love to have you in it if you're looking for some extra support or if you're looking for a community to connect with. Um, You can head to the link in my bio on Instagram to sign up and I'll also link it in the show notes of this episode. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so I'll chat with you next week. I hope you have an amazing week. Remember that life's happiest when you're sober. Bye. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty. Feel sexy and alive as F. 
So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.